Welcome to the On The Clock Podcast. I'm your host, Reese Decker, along with longtime friend of the show and co-host, Luke Watson. Thanks, Reese, for having me on today. Really excited to talk about the NFL Draft. Uh, I'll be handling the AFC duties for the night. Yeah, like Luke said, we are going to be reviewing the entire NFL Draft with each team's selections. Luke will do the AFC, and I'm going to do the NFC teams, and we are going to start off in the AFC East with Luke. Well, the first team up for me is the Miami Dolphins, and of course they had two, three big first-round picks in Tua Tungavailoa, Austin Jackson, and Noah Igbenogany, and then in the second round they had two more picks, so the Dolphins really tried to make a splash in this year's draft. I don't feel like there's much you can say about Tua that hasn't already been said. There are some issues with some injuries around him, but he's a winner, and he's proven that, and he's willing to be a great team player. I feel like a lot of people have kind of overlooked how he took over in the 11th hour for uh, just Jalen Hurts in the national championship game. And then Austin Jackson is a great tackle out of USC. You know, he has great hands. He's had some a great amount of success there. And then in the second round with Robert Hunt and Raekwon Davis, they really beefed up on both sides of the trenches. Uh, Robert Hunt, of course, is out of Louisiana, and Raekwon Davis is a D-tackle out of Alabama. And one of the biggest things that I've seen out of Raekwon Davis is just his motor. He never really gives up on any of the plays. And then the back half of the draft, they picked up Brandon Jones, a safety out of Texas, Solomon Kendi, a guard out of Georgia, Jason Strawbridge, a D-end out of North Carolina, Curtis Weaver, a big edge rusher out of Boise State. And then a, kind of an interesting pick for them in the sixth round, they took Blake Ferguson, the long snapper, out of LSU. And, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. You see about one long snapper picked a year, and I'm really excited for this for them, you know. Uh, the Dolphins are trying to figure out how to be in win-now mode in a really, really up-in-the-air division for the year. And then finally, they took Malcolm Perry, uh, running back at a Navy for their last pick. He'll be a big workhorse. Uh, expect to see him a lot more on special teams, but maybe he could turn into something late, you know, as round seven picks usually do. Yeah, something you learn uh, uh, from the Patriots and their organization, and obviously Brian Flores came to the Dolphins from the Patriots, the the emphasis on special teams and using two draft picks on potential special teamers and the long snapper and Blake Ferguson and Malcolm Perry, the running back, who's going to be a special teamer, obviously. He's not going to see too many reps at the running back position. But, um, yeah, they, they put their chips on the table on the special teams unit. And uh, one thing that really needs to be emphasized is they understand that they drafted a quarterback with a huge injury history. So they're beefing up the offensive line with Austin Jackson and and Robert Hunt. I think Robert Hunt's going to stick. Austin Jackson's kind of a wild card, um, kind of an underdeveloped, underexperienced guy with a lot of upside, but he's not there to be a starter right away. Um, I I think the Dolphins had a very interesting draft, and I I think they're going to be successful. In the most part. Yeah, but, you know, with, with Laramie Tunsil leaving, you know, they had to look to a project for the future at tackle, and I'm excited Absolutely. to see Austin Jackson. Yeah, I, I think he's got a lot of potential. I just don't think he's there yet. I think that may have been a little bit of a reach, but um, they think he's got a lot of upside. He's a great he's a great teammate. He's a great uh, high-character player, and, and that's something that they, they value as well. Great locker room pick there for the Dolphins. So now we'll jump to the NFC East, and we'll start with the New York Giants with the fourth pick in the draft. Um, Their first pick was Andrew Thomas, and I think, uh, obviously, they had a lot to choose from. They went more with a need than they did with the best player on the board, because the best player unanimously would have been uh, Isaiah Simmons, who was taken later. Obviously, they passed up him. 
to put the emphasis on the offensive line and protecting their new franchise quarterback and Daniel Jones. And so they took Andrew Thomas there. And that was also that was a little bit of a surprise because uh, Jedrick Wills was um, probably most teams had him as their highest ranked player, and then Tristan Wirfs was probably the second highest ranked offensive tackle. Andrew Thomas was not. Um, he was most people's fourth, uh, but the Giants valued him differently because his floor is higher than all of the other guys' uh, floor by far. So they know like, almost exactly what they're going to get with with Andrew Thomas. He's he's a four year starter. Um, he's very consistent, so he's got a lot of experience. He played all four seasons as the left tackle at Georgia, while the other guys have played, you know, all four seasons as well, but they, they started in different positions on the offensive line. Thomas is a true left tackle, and really they just drafted him because they know what they were going to get. I think their best value pick was their second-round pick in Xavier McKinney. Most people had him as a as a first-round talent. A lot of people thought he was going to go to the, the Dallas Cowboys, potentially uh, potentially the Dolphins with their third pick in the first round. He ends up falling all the way to 36, I think, at the second round. So um, they got a lot of value there. Also, Darnay Holmes is, is a guy that I think is a huge sleeper, the, the corner from UCLA. He's a very fast and a very smooth player. He plays very aggressive, but he's undersized at only 5'11". Um, he reminds me a lot of Kenny Moore. He's, he's a high-motor guy. He's a playmaker, got a nose for the football. And Holmes has a lot of special teams versatility. You know, you talk about Andrew Thomas like that, and it's good to see the Giants make not necessarily a safe pick, but it's not necessarily a flashy pick either. You know, they're trying to take a guy who can be a staple for them around Daniel Jones, you know, who show, who's shown some flashes of brilliance, even though, you know, that's one of the craziest picks we've ever seen. It's good to see them trying to build around him. Yeah, I mean, and if you're going to build around a quarterback, you got to protect him first. So uh, they put the emphasis on that. They put their money where their mouth is, even though he wasn't the highest-rated first uh, or left tackle by everybody else. He was a guy that they believe in, and they, they think he's going to protect him. And, you know, speaking about uh, offensive tackles and offensive lines, uh, the next team up is the Jets, and Mekhi Becton was the first-round pick for out of Louisville. And, you know, we just talked about someone who we said had a low – a low floor, you know, it wasn't, it was a safe pick for the Giants. Uh, with Becton, you know, you're getting a guy who's six foot seven, 364 pounds, who just finished in college. He finished every single block on tape. When you watch his tape, when you see any of his tape, the man finishes people to the ground. And I know that it's different competition in the NFL, but, but you're not going to get that kind of motor at 364 out of any other human being, it seems like. And so I'm excited for that pick for them. Again, the Jets and the Giants are kind of in similar situations. They both have, you know, generational talents at running back. They both have young, somewhat unproven quarterbacks. And so their picks kind of mirror each other. But Becton certainly has the possibility to be one of the best tackles in the game. Or we can have an Eddie Lacy kind of situation on our hands. You know, he could get overweight. He could get some injury problems, some knee issues. And he could never play after about two years. But I think that Sam Darnold can rest a little easier at night because he has Mekhi Becton coming to him. And hopefully we get to talk a little bit more about Tristan Wirfs later and we'll kind of hit the triad of offensive tackles here. In the second round, they picked up Denzel Mims, Ashton Davis, and Jabari Zinga in the third round. And those are some exciting picks, you know, a safety and an edge rusher. Edge rusher. The Jets really haven't had any star-studded players on their defense over the pack past couple years. I like Ashton Davis out of Cal. He's a really smart guy and his eyes are fantastic in the secondary. He plays with a lot of patience and it's going to be exciting to see him kind of step up at the safety position for them to kind of load up that secondary a little bit. And then in the later rounds, uh, there were a couple of picks running back out of Florida, 
James Morgan, a quarterback out of FIU. He'll be interesting to see behind Darnold. Uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see how he works with Darnold. Hopefully Darnold can stay healthy again this year because I don't need to see Luke Folk on the field ever again. <laughs> and then in round five and six, you had Bryce Hall and then Brandon Mann, a punter out of Texas A&M. So we get to talk about another special teamer here. Uh, you know, he was really great in the SEC for Texas A&M, and hopefully he'll be great for the Jets in the coming years. Yeah, I, I think the most interesting pick is, is probably Ashton Davis, the safety from California. Um, Jamal Adams, a lot of rumors that he could be traded. Um, there are a lot of teams that valued Ashton Davis. Uh, obviously, the Jets were the only team to pick him, of course. Um, but could that be a potential replacement for Jamal Adams? Uh, and then looking at the receiver side, you know, Denzel Mims, a, a, a speedster from from Baylor. Um, Quincy Nunez replacement, obviously losing Robbie Anderson. Sam Darnold has zero people to throw the football to. Zero people to throw the football to. So Denzel Mims has a really good shot at coming in and, and being a stud wide receiver because he might be one of their only options. Uh, the next team on the list is the Washington Redskins. They picked second in the first round, and they took Chase Young, and I, I think that was easily their best pick, a guy that's literally a generational talent on the, uh, at defensive end. He's right up there with Nick Bosa and Joey Bosa coming straight from Ohio State. He fits the mold. He's, he's a physical monster. He's a very aggressive player. Um, really, he's, he's an impossible guy to miss on. He was, he was a surefire pick there at number two. Um, I think... Their best value pick was the receiver from Liberty, Antonio Gandy-Golden. I think he's one of the best receivers in the draft class, and I think he was just overshadowed by a really, really talented draft class at wide receiver, the deepest receiver class we've ever seen. But Gandy-Golden has got a very, very good body at receiver, 6'4", 223. He's big. Um, he weighs enough. He's very smooth, strong, um, very smooth in his routes. He, he's really, really great after the catch. He, he's good with his feet, good with uh, shaking off defenders. Um, and he's really just got a great feel for the field, and he, he, he tracks the ball very well. And he's going to be an immediate contributor right along there with uh, Terry McLaurin. They're, they're going to have a very explosive offense. I mean, Dwayne Haskins finally getting some weapons around him. Um, and that leads me to the next prospect. I think Antonio Gibson is going to be an explosive prospect. He played both running back and receiver. He's extremely physical, six foot two twenty eight, ran a four three nine forty, which is extremely fast. He's a very explosive player. He's got special teams ability, um, and he's going to be an impact player all over the field for them. Um, and I think one of the most interesting picks Right after they traded Trent Williams to the 49ers, they drafted Sadiq Charles from LSU, the left tackle. Um, he was a talented player, but he had some disciplinary issues with uh, what he called to be a selfish and stupid mistake. And he's got big shoes to fill. I mean, Trent Williams is the best left tackle in the league right now. And it, it's going to be really uh, hard to fill as, as an unexperienced player. I mean, he's with injuries and the disciplinary issues. He missed a lot of time on the field. Um the Redskins have a lot of hope and a lot of faith in, in Sadiq Charles to fill the to fill the void there. So um, we'll just have to see how it goes. You know, for me, I'm really just excited to see Riverboat Ron weaponize this defensive line. He's going to have Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Darren Payne, and Jonathan Allen up there. And it's just going to be really interesting to see, you know, the identity that they're going to have. They're going to get to the quarterback. They're probably going to be able to stop the run. Uh, I was not always the highest on Chase Young. I, there was a couple games where I watched him where it didn't seem like he was a game changer there, but 
that probably talks more to how great Ohio State's defense was than, you know, maybe he had an off game. But I, I do remember, you know, there's one specific play, him against Michigan. He was getting triple teamed, and he was still influencing the quarterback's feet on that play. So it's going to be exciting to see Chase Young. I think he could be a generational talent for sure. But I wouldn't be the most surprised person if he were to flare out. Yeah, and so uh, that reminds me just, I think, the way the Redskins are building this team now reminds me a lot of how the 49ers built their team. They built their team on the defensive line. DeForest Buckner, um, Eric Armstead, uh, Nick Bosa. I mean, those guys were game changers, all, all of them this year. And I think that's what the, the Redskins could be getting next year with, with that defensive line. And you win the game in the trenches, and I, and I think they're, they're putting their money where their mouth is with this one too. So... The one other thing I'd say about that is, you know, Sadiq Charles, um, I just keep remembering this video of Dwayne Haskins. It was, it was circulating on Twitter about five or six months ago, just talking to his offensive line. You know, how can I help you? What can I do to help you? And they just seemed 100% disinterested. So, you know, maybe it was time for some new blood in there. And, you know, with him taking Charles, he seems like he's hungry to go. And it's hopefully he's learned from whatever this selfish and stupid mistake was. And, and he can kind of befriend and work with Haskins for years to come. Yeah, I mean, Haskins, they're going to have to... Haskins is going to have to earn their respect real quick. Otherwise, they're just going to sidestep and let, let them get hammered. All right, our next team up is the Buffalo Bills. Uh, one of the big splashes that they made this year was they traded their first rounder for Stephon Diggs along with a couple of other picks. But we then, of course, need to talk about their second-round pick, A.J. Epinesa, the DN out of Iowa. He's just been so explosive, and he's just really worked hard in that Big Ten Conference, which is full of offensive linemen that got drafted this year and will be drafted next year. Uh, Zach Moss was the running back out of Utah. Uh, the biggest game I caught of him was against Oregon this past year, and he looked really, really good in pass protection in that game. And as an offensive lineman, that's the kind of thing I look at. He's willing to sacrifice his body there, but he's also you know quick in the receiving game, and and he'll be an interesting pick for them to weaponize around. I know the past couple years, they haven't been able to nail down what seems like a strong starting back for them since Fred Jackson back in like 2015. They've used a plethora of guys with Frank Gore, with TJ Yeldon. Uh, maybe Zach Moss can be that guy for them. Gabriel Davis, the receiver out of UCF. And then, of course, in the fifth round, the Bills took Jake Fromm. Jake from State Farm on Twitter, the quarterback out of Georgia. And I was never really sold on Jake Fromm. And I love Josh Allen so much on the Bills that I can't see Jake Fromm being anything more than a career backup for them. I'd compare him to the kind of career that, you know, maybe Hasselback had in the back half of his career. Hopefully a strong backup who's smart. I mean, Jake Fromm, you know, he's been a really smart guy. He was the number one recruit overall in high school. So it's going to be interesting to see him work here. I think him being drafted in the fifth round after one and two years ago, maybe being projected in the second or first round. It's going to be interesting to see how he grows on the Bills. And then a crazy pick. I get, again, I get another special teamers. I don't know what it was about the AFC. But uh, Tyler Bass, a kicker out of Georgia Southern. And then Isaiah Hodgins from Oregon State. He's very, very fast. And it's just good to get more weapons, I think, around Josh Allen. I love Josh Allen's feet so much that I'm really going to be interested to see what he can do with Diggs and Hodgins here. And then in the seventh round, Dane Jackson was taken out of pit to beef up that secondary just a little bit more. And... You know, this was a pretty decent draft for the Bills overall. I really like the Diggs trade for both sides of that trade. We'll get to the Vikings later, but I just think it was really interesting to see them go get him. I think he should be the talk of this draft, but I wouldn't really sleep here on Epinesa or Hodgins either. Yeah, you know, I 
first of all, I firmly disagree with Jake Fromm uh, as a prospect. But first of all, I mean, Fromm as a fit with the with the Buffalo Bills is it just doesn't fit. I mean, he the biggest knock on Jake Fromm this and this whole draft process was his arm strength. And who has the strongest arm in the NFL? Josh, Josh Allen. So the fit is not there in, in the offense, really. But I, I really think that Jake Fromm is one of the best prospects at, at, from the quarterback position in this draft. He's a competitor. His, his character is there. Um, the arm strength isn't necessarily there. But let's just take it back on a look back at his journey real quick. He goes to Georgia. And who is in front of him? Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason gets hurt. Fromm comes in, takes him to the national championship game. He beats out Jacob Eason the next year. And Justin Fields comes in. He's going to be probably the second quarterback taken in next year's draft, which will be probably be a top five pick. He beat him out, sent him off to Ohio State. He's a competitor. He's really great at his position. He's, he's, he's got everything above the neck that a quarterback needs. He's a great leader. He's everything you want in a quarterback. Just He, he doesn't have the upside that you know a Jordan Love has. So I, I think... That hurt him a lot in this draft class. Really, I think he went to probably one of the worst you know, positions that he could be in. He's going to sit behind Josh Allen in an offense that doesn't fit his skill set. So, and the most important thing for a quarterback is the system fit, and, and that's not there. So I really think that's probably that was a really bad pick just for Buffalo. But, I mean, they got a good leader. They got a good locker room guy. So you know, I guess we'll go from there. Um, and, and another thing that the Bills did is you know, they built – they're committed to their explosive offense. You mentioned the Stephon Diggs trade. That's going to make him explosive. He's a very, very good deep threat. He's a dangerous route runner. He's going to get open, and Josh Allen's going to be able to throw him the ball, and, and he's a burner, so he's going to be able to go get that. So um, we attribute that as their first-round pick. Um, Epines is a, a powerful, powerful defensive end. He's going to be fantastic in Buffalo. Zach Moss is literally the prototype, or um, I, I guess you would say, um, he's an exact match of Devin Singletary, so they're going to be, you know, even if Singletary needs a, needs a breather, Zach Moss is going to be able to come in and do the exact same thing that he does. And then they, they got some burners at wide receiver, and they're going to be, I mean, the other teams in the AFC East, they're going to be chasing their Bills receivers down the field. I mean, the big question is, you know, are the Bills this year going to be, you know, steps better than they were last year? And I think Diggs was a correct step in that direction. And, you know, what you said about Fromm, I'm just, I'm not sure. But the one thing that I would say that is interesting about Fromm is Allen's now got a guy he can take under his wing, he can kind of mold and work with. And maybe that'll kind of help Josh Allen to kind of step up in the locker room, especially with, you know, Frank Gore, one of their biggest leaders, leaving. Yeah, and, you know, an interesting thing that I heard and that I, I completely agree with is Josh Allen's going to help Jake Fromm a lot, right? But Jake Fromm, or Josh Allen's decision-making wasn't the best. Jake Fromm is one of the best decision-makers in the quarterback position coming into this draft class. And, and so they're going to really mutually benefit each other a lot. So um, not that Fromm is an awful pick, but just because of the system, I didn't like it. But I think him and Josh Allen can get along really well, and they can help each other a lot. And with Josh Allen being such a running quarterback, you know, we might see time from Fromm. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, every time that the 6 7 Guy runs out of the pocket. You, you gotta cringe just a little bit. I mean, all it Absolutely. takes is one wrong hit. Yeah, and, I mean, and at six seven, you know, you got a linebacker coming or even a corner. You know, they that's the top of the helmet to the chin right there. That's that's almost a concussion every time. So, uh, you definitely don't like to see that. But 
Um, ultimately, I think the Bills made took a lot of steps in the right direction. And, and this is their division now. This is their division, and I, I think they are doing everything that they can to make sure that their roster is able to compete at a high level. Um, and that takes us now to the NFC East again, but we'll do the Dallas Cowboys, who, like most people, I, I think this is probably one of the best draft classes in the entire draft. And I say that mostly because I think all the all but one of their picks are going to make a significant impact on the roster this year. Um, the only pick that I don't think is their seventh rounder. They took Ben DiNucci, the quarterback from James Madison. I, I think that's going to be a practice squad quarterback, so he's going to contribute, but uh, not on Sundays. And the first pick was the best pick and the best value pick that they could have had, and that was C.D. Lamb. Um, he's a receiver that no one thought was going to land at 17 anyways, but he's the most well-rounded receiver in this draft class. Now, um, some, some will say Henry Ruggs was the best or Jerry Judy was the best, and, and that depends on the system according to the team. Like the, the Raiders, they want a burner, so they took Henry Ruggs. Um, the Broncos, they want the finesse receiver, and so they took Jerry Judy, and that left the Cowboys sitting there with C.D. Lamb on the board, and he's the receiver that can do it all. And he's going to be a perfect matchup uh, with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. Uh, so C.D. Lamb will probably play more slot than anything, to be honest. And he's going to make a significant impact, though. He's the best receiver in the class. Trevon Diggs, they needed help at the corner position. Um, Diggs is Stephon Diggs' brother. So, But anyways, he's going to have a significant impact. He's going to be an immediate starter for the for the Cowboys, Neville Gallimore is a is an absolute beast up front. He's kind of a Vince Wilford body with the feet of a safety or a corner. I mean, he's got great feet. He's great great mobility. He's going to be able to get uh, to pass for, or he's going to be able to get to the quarterback. Uh, Reggie Robinson, the third, a corner from Tulsa. I think he was uh, he's, he's a freak athlete. He's very very good. Great great ball hawk. Um, He's going to need a little bit of polishing, but I think he's got a lot of potential, and he could potentially be a starter. Tyler uh, Biatizic, I'm not exactly sure how to say the last name, but the center from Wisconsin, uh, replacing Travis Frederick. Wisconsin linemen have a have a great track record in the NFL. And I, uh, he's a little bit undersized, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything as a center. It's usually your smallest offensive lineman ends up playing interior. So uh, I think he's going to be an immediate impact player. And then Bradley and I, I think he's the best value player. He's a freak athlete off the edge. He's got great speed. He plays with a relentless effort. Um, ultimately, I think he's going to he's gonna be an immediate impact player because they were not able to get to the quarterback last year. Now you're going to pair him up with uh, Demarcus Lawrence, um, and I think that's going to that's gonna do a lot for their defense. It's going to change the way that they play. Their, their defensive backs are not going to have to be in coverage um, for as long because their pass rush are going to be getting forcing the quarterbacks to get the ball out quick, and I think that's going to be a huge thing for the Cowboys. You know, going back to Tyler Beattis, um, one of the best things I saw Wisconsin do this year is they just shredded Michigan with duo, duo's power without a polar, and Jonathan Taylor ran it so well, but that O-line up front, Beattis looked so clean doing that, and he got so much drive off the ball on the nose or the three-tech there that I cannot imagine that he has a problem in the NFL. He might have to work a little bit and have some time, but there's no better offensive line to learn from than the Dallas Cowboys traditionally. So he's going to be great in this league, and I just I feel bad for Frederick. You know, that's a tough break for him. Yeah, that's a tough break. I mean, you don't want to wish um, a disease like that upon anybody, but uh, we hope the best for him. And the Cowboys, I think they got the best film possible. Tyler Biatizic from Wisconsin. So, uh, and then that's a fantastic group of guys to learn from. 
He's got a great team, a great organization, and Mike McCarthy's gonna gonna do the best uh, for him. So, moving on to one of my least favorite teams to talk about in the draft, the New England Patriots. Belichick didn't take a quarterback this year. He's gonna have either Brian Hoyer, which I hope he does, because I hate the Patriots, or Jarrett Stidham at quarterback. And you know, it wasn't by design. He said that he didn't draft a quarterback, but he he just he didn't take one this year. I guess the opportunity didn't really arise for him. So, of course, the first thing Belichick does in the draft is he takes some no-name guy from some no-name college. He took Kyle Duggar, a safety out of Lenoir Ryan. And then also in the second round, he took Josh Uchi, a linebacker from Michigan. And it seems like everyone was scrambling to learn as much about Kyle Duggar as they could. Of course, he's going to be fast. He, that's one of the biggest things that you see out of guys. Um, and then Uchi was a big senior bowl standout from Michigan. And he's just a little raw, like most Big Ten linebackers are, but he's played against big competition. He's played in big games. And I bet you Uchi's going to be great out there, uh, especially seeing like Kyle Van Noy there. It's, it's exciting to see that defense kind of come together again. And then uh, Devin Asiasi, a tight end out of UCLA, is interesting. It seems like they should have picked up a tight end to me a year before. But again, Belichick's working, you know, three steps ahead of all of us. So it's good to see Ossie Ossie off the board coming out of that Chip Kelly offense. Uh, he's explosive at times. He's just going to be a good player for them to see. And then Belichick took a kicker, you know, to replace Gostowski, took Rosswasser, Roarwasser, the kicker out of Marshall. Uh, I'm assuming, you know, one of the best jobs to have would be kicker for the Patriots because you never know what's going to happen for him, but you always get to kick in big games. So it's going to be interesting to see. I'm, I'm less interested this year in the Patriots draft class than I really am in just seeing, you know, what do the Patriots have this year? What is going on with Belichick? And I don't think we really gained anything from this. You know, you've seen a lot of people just perplexed or bothered or not really sure what the Patriots are doing. Uh, if I have to pick a guy that I think the Patriots are going to turn into a Hall of Famer, it's going to be their linebacker out of Wyoming. Picked him in the sixth round. It's going to be Cash Maulia. He's going to work up there. He worked there with Yuchi, and he's going to be part of a defense that seems to have been rebuilding this year. It's going to be exciting to see Duggar and all of these young guys maybe make an impact on the Patriots team that's going to have a completely different identity this year. Yeah, I, I think one of their biggest picks, uh, I, I, well, first of all, about Kyle Duggar, he is a, he's a physical monster. Obviously, he played at a lesser level of talent playing in uh, Division Two or Division Three. I'm not even sure which what Lenore Ryan is, but... Um, if you look at his tape, he's he's literally a man amongst boys out there just demolishing people. So um, he was very physical. I don't know how well that's going to translate from a you know D two or D three player to you know trying to tackle Le'Veon Bell on Sunday Night Football or something. But um, look, if anybody's going to be able to transform him, it's going to be it's going to be Bill Belichick, right? You know, Absolutely. defensive mastermind. So. Um, and then another player that I think was a, a huge sleeper. I didn't. I was really surprised to see that he lasted to the third round as Anthony Jennings from Alabama. Um, really, he's just. A, I think he's a little more polished, I guess, than other people do. But really, I mean, there's nothing much else to say about him other than he's a solid player. I mean, he he was very productive at Alabama. Um, and look, you know, Bill Belichick likes his Alabama guys because he, he's buddies with Nick Saban. I, I'd be really interested to see what a hangout with Bill Belichick and Nick Saban is like. But, I mean, he knows, I mean, it, Belichick knows that a guy from Alabama is going to be able to fit his system and his culture because, you know, I would imagine that Alabama is run exactly like Bill Belichick runs his organization in in uh, New England. And then, you know, I mentioned earlier in this podcast how, obviously, it's the Patriots and, and their mantra. They like 
or they they put an extremely high value on special teams. They drafted a kicker in the fifth round, and you know who knows if Roar Wasser is going to be successful. But I mean, they they're putting their money where their mouth is. I've said that like ten times, and they're doing it. Well, I mean, look, like the past two kickers for the Patriots have multiple rings apiece, so. This probably bodes pretty well for Rohrwasser. I mean, he's going to have a chance to kick in big games. You know, the Patriots never, ever try to give up points. They, they work really well in the red zone. So I don't have a problem with this. This just seems like another typical Patriots draft and means it'll probably be another typical Patriots season. But, of course, with Brady and Gronk gone, I mean, who knows? You, you want to you bet against the Patriots, but it seems like you never can. And why should this year be any different? Yeah, I mean, and the, just another th- interesting note here is they took two tight ends back to back there in the third round with Devin Asiasi and then Dalton Keene. Um, Keene was rated higher by most people com- coming into this process, and they took Asiasi ahead of him. Um, I think that's just more of a scheme fit, and I think that that matters really um, for most teams. Uh, but both these guys are perfect scheme fits for the, for what the Patriots are going to try to do. Um, yeah, I mean. The Patriots are just doing exactly what they need to do because this is because of their cap space. I don't. I think they have like a million dollars in cap space um, for this season. So this is where they had to get the meat of their roster, and, and they went and did that by getting extra picks. And, and these are the guys that they have to fill their roster. So you know, I, I think they did a solid job. Obviously, you know, a year from now we'll be looking. We could be looking back and say this is one of the best draft classes ever. You know, the, the post Brady, the post Brady draft class. That's the New England Patriots. And then we'll finish it off with the Philadelphia Eagles. And the interesting thing about the Philadelphia Eagles is their first two picks really stirred up the draft. Their, their first pick was Jalen Rager, um, the, the speedster, the burner from TCU. And a lot of people were surprised that Justin Jefferson didn't come here to the Eagles. And ultimately it comes down to, I said it earlier, it's scheme fit. Receivers, the most important thing for a receiver is that they fit your scheme. They fit exactly what you're gonna, what the team is gonna ask them to do. And uh, Justin Jefferson is more of an all-around receiver. The Eagles needed a burner. They wanted a guy that's gonna be able to to spread the field, and that's exactly what Jalen Rager is able to do. He's not, he's not the big physical guy. He's not, you know, a, a polished route runner. He's a burner, and he's a guy that's gonna be able to go and get the deep balls, and that's exactly what they want him to do. So, and if that's the case, which they say it is, I think that's a perfect pick for them. And then the big, the big question here is Jalen Hurts. They take Jalen Hurts with their their second round pick, the quarterback from Oklahoma. And honestly, with with the injury history that Carson Wentz has, he has not finished a season as a starting quarterback for the Eagles, and, and that's huge. And they put a lot of insurance in their backups in, in the past, Nick Foles. Josh McCown. This year it's Jalen Hurts, and honestly, I think they're, I think they're telling Jay, or Carson Wentz that, hey, look, you're a stud. We want you to be our franchise quarterback, but we can't trust you to be our franchise quarterback right now because you have missed the important games. He was having the MVP caliber season. He tore his ACL. He missed the playoffs, which ended up being their Super Bowl run with Nick Foles. The next year, he gets hurt and. Nick Foles has to has to beat the Chicago Bears and then lose to the New Orleans Saints in the playoffs. And then last year, he gets his first career playoff start. After two fantastic seasons, which he didn't finish in the playoffs, this, last year, his first postseason start, he gets hurt. He gets a concussion and misses the game, and Josh McCown 
uh, played with a lot of heart, but he ended up losing the game for him. So, look, now they have Jalen Hurts, a guy that could potentially be the franchise quarterback. He doesn't have to be the franchise quarterback right now because they have their guy in, in, in Carson Wentz. So this is a perfect situation for Jalen Hurts to polish himself up, figure out the turnovers, and look, Jalen Hurts, he's a he's a winner, he's a fighter, he's a very, very high character guy, he's a fantastic leader, he's a, 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 an incredible teammate, like, he's everything that you want in a person to be your quarterback, and now he's going to get the coaching, and he's going to get the time to be a backup, and he's going to get the experience to turn into a potential NFL franchise quarterback. This is a perfect situation for Jalen Hurts, I, I, I think. And then... Uh, looking at none, none of the rest of their draft picks really stand out. I think Quez Watkins, a receiver from Southern Mississippi, I, th- I think that was really interesting to wait that long in, in such a deep draft class to take your second receiver. Um, but Quez is a guy, look, they're looking for burners. I, I, I think Quez is, is a solid fit for that. So um, ultimately, I think the meat of their draft class you know, sits at the front You know, with, with Rager and Hurts. It, it wasn't a perfect draft class. But it really wasn't a bad one either. I, I think they solved one of their most important questions in the offseason, and that's the backup quarterback and the potential future franchise quarterback of Carson Wentz can't stay healthy. I, I think that's that's all this draft class really tells us. But one of the things you have to, first of all, John Hightower was the second wide receiver picked by the Eagles in the draft. He was picked around before Quez Watkins was. Oh, I missed that. One of the things that, you know, just baffled me is I, I know a decent amount about the Eagles. I've watched this past season's All or Nothing. And first of all, it's good that they covered their receivers. But if they were so gung-ho about covering these receivers and they weren't about the secondary, that secondary has been ravaged over the past few years. Absolutely. So many Eagles fans have been frustrated, of course, with the receivers. But also with this secondary, it's just been brutal. And I, I get that they picked up a couple linebackers, but they only picked up one member of the secondary in Kevon Wallace, who's a good player, but he's not even one of the corners. I mean, they had both their corners, both their starting corners last year either came into the season late after missing like the past 25 games, or they missed multiple games, substantial games within that season. It just makes you question, you know, what exactly are the Eagles doing? That they felt so excited to take Jalen Hurts in the, in the second round. And I get that you need a backup quarterback, but they gave up a record-setting deal to Carson Wentz earlier this offseason. They gave him, like, $107.9 million. And then they go out and they get one of the hottest-looking backups in the league in Jalen Hurts. They try to make that flashy pick, and... I'm just not sure what Philadelphia is doing. It seems like we're so far away from that Super Bowl championship for them. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. It's, it feels like they're far away. I and mean, this is going to be almost a completely different roster. Uh, you mentioned, I mean, there are holes all over this team. Uh, I, I really don't think they did a solid job at filling those filling those needs. I mean, Kevon Wallace, he's a solid player from Clemson. And, and players from Clemson translate to the NFL really well because that organization is run like an NFL organization uh, should be. And, I mean, I mean, they're losing Malcolm Jenkins, a captain on their defense. You know, he's going uh, to New Orleans now. It, it, it's really just – it, it just kind of baffles me. I, I feel like they should have – they could have done a lot better. I feel like Jalen Hurts maybe would have a little bit of a reach. But, I mean, you don't pass on a franchise quarterback. And if, if that's how they view him, you don't pass on him. So, um I think that's. I think it's fair. I think they could have done a lot better. They needed. You know, they should have taken a receiver higher. I mean, there were a lot of still. There were still a lot of you know starting caliber receivers sitting there in the third round, and, and they take Davion Taylor from Colorado. So, um, 
look, we'll see a year from now how this draft class pans out, but I think they could have done a lot better. Hey, we thank you a ton for listening in to today's episode on the AFC and NFC East draft reviews. Make sure you tune in next week for the AFC South and the NFC South draft reviews. Um, and follow us on Twitter at The Clock Pod. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you guys next week.